0: Hey, good afternoon, everybody. On this election day, this is Brooklyn Paper Radio. I'm your host, Vince DiMasselli. Uh, joining me today is Go Brooklyn editor Bill Roundy. Well, hello there. Hey, Bill. How you doing? Excellent. And Bill's with us because we have a very special guest today, Dean Haspiel. He's uh, the author of many comic books, Brooklyn Resident. Uh, he's got a lot of stuff going on.
1: Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah,
0: He's here. Uh, but I wanted to start with a little sad news uh, for our Brooklyn Paper readers. Um, Sarah Portlock, who was one of our uh, reporters back in, I guess, the early aughts uh, when she worked for us. She worked for us around 2008 into 2009. Uh, she died suddenly uh, yesterday. Uh, it was a little bit of a shock. I know uh, she had had a baby recently. I think there were some problems uh, during the pregnancy, but um, uh, we're, we're going to put something up on that. Um, it's Some sad news about Sarah. Uh, she was uh, she, she always had a lot of fun in the office, I know that And um, uh, we did lots of fun things back then As far as videos and stuff like that And she always played along And uh, she went on to some, you know, bigger and better things uh, I think she went to work in New Jersey And then she worked at the Wall Street Journal And it's a bit of a shock She has an, a newborn daughter So our uh, hearts go out to um, Sarah's family And uh, I just want to start with that But... It is Election Day. we got a lot of other stuff going on. Isn't that right, Bill?
2: Uh, I believe it is. Did
0: you get out and vote?
2: I did. went out uh, on my way to work.
0: Where are you on this whole Constitutional Convention thing? We did a whole show on it last week. That's right. Uh, con,
2: con. Did, did you vote yay or nay? I voted, voted nay on the grounds that I don't think anyone is organized enough to know what going to happen. Thing.
0: Here's the thing. As you know, I, I'm... I'm pro- Dean, do you know about this whole constitution? I, I, I
1: heard about it recently, and, I, and I've been instructed to vote no. You've
0: been instructed
1: by whom? By my peers, but just and you, I trust my peers on that, this one. That's true.
0: I know my <laughs> wife asked me. She's like,
1: "How are you voting on that?" I'm like, "I'm like, I'm voting yes." But I vote yes to Comic Con, okay, all right. You, but this is a Con Con, right? Okay. <laughs>
0: Well, er, I think everyone votes yes for cotton. No one, <laughs> no one has a problem with that. Well, the constitutional, Conve- the constitutional convention is, is a big deal because we did a whole show on it last week. Curtis Lee was on, and uh, and Bobby Carroll, the assemblyman, uh, he was in the he was in the nay. Mm. Uh, the Nay side and uh, sleewell was on the Yay side, very much so. And I ultimately I voted Yes, and I think the reason is that, you know even the New York Times did an editorial this week saying you should vote against this because if you really want to make change in Albany, you should you know vote out the people that are there, and that doesn't seem to happen. <laughs> it doesn't seem to happen, right. and the only way I think to get people out is is through um, uh, term limits. Mm. I mean, these guys will stay in office forever and ever and ever, and I don't think that's right. I'm, I'm not, I, I don't think term limits is the best answer, but it's the only answer that stops, you know, guys, uh, you know, count, assemblymen, state senators, they just get into office and they stay there forever.
1: So, so, so ignorant folks like me who kind of like, again, I didn't, I'm following my peers in certain respects. Well, you should have been listening to Brooklyn Paper, right? I should listening. have been. Yes. I should have been. What, can you, in a nutshell, explain what that is that people are voting yay and nay to?
0: Okay. So basically, uh, Every twenty years, the state of New York asks its its residents to vote on should there be a constitutional convention, which will then open up the entire constitution to uh, basically delegates that will get together and talk about how we can change the New York State Constitution. What okay. we change, what we keep, what we keep, what we completely get rid of. Right. They could literally rewrite the whole, like thing. like
1: update it, basically modernize it right. in some way. The okay.
0: Th- Basically, that's the idea. Now, that hasn't been, nothing's been done to it, I think, since the 20s. Okay. And uh, the last time this went to a vote in 1997, it was people didn't vote for it. Uh, but this time around, it's looking as if it might actually pass. And if it does pass, they'll convene a commission that'll get into it. Now, one of the reasons I'm excited about this commission is because I want to be a part of it. Right. And anyone right. that's a delegate to the commission gets paid $80,000 a year. <laughs> and this process could take... Like five
2: years, right? So, <laughs> and also, there's going to be a lot of news stories if this convention happens. I think I've changed my position. I'm going to go back see if I can vote again. Go so vote again. <laughs> see what you can, can do, this. Bill. You
0: got to get out there, and you got to you, you got to turn it around. So, uh, my wife is voting for it. I voted for it, and um, yeah, we'll see how how it comes out. And, and
1: so, so Bill, if I may, I don't mean to take over the conversation, but why did you then would vote yes? I'm sorry, no, that you voted no. What 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 do you feel like? What what's your gut feeling on that?
2: Uh, well, my basic feeling is uh, that uh, I didn't think that anyone knows what's going to happen. And I figure, mm-hmm. you know, th- things aren't that bad right now mm-hmm. that we need to the introduce the chaos. Right. Uh, and I feel like there are enough sort of national forces that would try to move in and bring their money in. Right. That I don't think anything good would happen.
1: Right. Okay. That's fair
0: enough. Well, one of
2: the points Curtis made last week on the show was that all this fear that national
0: interests are going to come in and the Koch brothers and stuff, everything that's out there right now mm-hmm. is... is Telling people to vote no. Mm. All the people that are against it are like vote no,
3: vote no, and they're you know
0: there were stickers on police department cars. Mm-hmm. You know,
3: won't they win either way though? Because if they vote yes and yes wins, it's the same people writing the. No, not necessarily. It's not. That's not necessarily true. You don't know how like
0: who's going to be on. Uh, the these on the commission, who's who's going to be a part of it? I mean, you could make the argument that oh well, the people that are in charge are going to put people like their people. I think that was what commission. Bobby said last week. Yeah, I know, but I still think it's worth looking at. You know, and. You know, I you could still get a guy like me on there. Curtis? Well, right. a guy like you, but
1: I think traditionally, like, I, and this is true, I think for a lot of people who voted in the past, is that there was a certain apathy to it. Like, eh, you know, so and so is going to win what I need to vote, right? Yeah. Now I do feel, because of our president and what's happened recently, I do feel people do rally more. Wait a second. You're not all in on Trump? Nah, no, I'm really. all in. Not really. want doing a great job. <laughs> but... But I, I I feel like because of stuff like that happening nowadays it will uh, activate people and rally them to possibly you know affect change so I think there is something to what you're saying
0: well we'll see what happens next uh, elections well first we'll see what happens tonight but then we'll see what happens next election cycle when all of the, the state fire. all of the state senators and right. the assemblymen are up are up for uh, renewal right and we'll see what happens and right. t- I'm telling you my experience with this which I've been covering Brooklyn politics for 20 years, right. You know, it's the same. Some of the same guys have been there the entire 20 years. A guy like Felix Ortiz has been there forever, you know? And uh, it, just, it just doesn't change. You, you got know. money on it going either way? No, I haven't placed any bets. Okay. I haven't placed any bets. My, th- I have this new, this new um, rule when it comes to gambling and being on the radio. I try, to, <laughs> I try to steer clear. Ah, okay. Yeah, I try to steer clear. I don't know. Was that a shot at you? Yeah, anybody? what, what, happened? <laughs> what made know. you
3: feel that way? I, don't
0: know. I want to thank our sponsors. Absolutely. By the way, I didn't mention them at the beginning of the show. At the top of the show, I'd like to mention our sponsors, Dr. Joseph Lichter. Of course. And our other sponsor, Johnny? Village Care Max. Ah, Village Care Max. you got to live the life you want to live. Oh. You know what I'm saying? As you get older. We'll talk about that oh more my. later. Okay. It's really it's really important stuff. And I, I, I also wanted to talk about next couple of weeks, we're going to have a guy on the show. His name is Michael Lasicki. And normally when I get one of these books that gets shipped to me, they look like they're self-published, they have lots of photos in them. You ever see those books that they like those neighborhood books that oh, they yeah. put out? Oh, you know, yeah. like you go into Barnes and Noble, you go into the neighborhood site.
1: Brooklyn if, Book Fair. I mean, wherever I go, there's a ton of that.
0: And know? and it's just like and it's all like photos with captions. Right. This book looks like one of those books, but it's not. And mm. it's called Abraham and Strauss. It's worth a trip from anywhere. Now, you guys know A and S. Yes. I've I, heard of it. No idea. A and S. Well, you're from you're from down south, right? Yeah. Okay. So you where are you from? Virginia. Virginia. Yeah, that's down south as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Close enough. So, <laughs> uh, Abraham Strauss was, was the Brooklyn department store. When I was a kid, yep. on Christmas, my grandmother would get every package we opened was ANS. And she would travel to downtown Brooklyn, Fulton Mall, because this is where she went from when she was a, a little girl. And uh, ANS was the big department store in Brooklyn. And this is a book that celebrates ANS. Of course, ANS went out of business. Or at least their brand was closed down, I guess, in the late 90s, early 2000s, I think. And um, Macy's, Federated. To I federated. was going to say,
1: um, remember Miracle on 34th Street? I love where, that movie. Where, like, if you went to Macy's, they didn't have the gift. They would call Gimbals. Well, if Gimbals didn't have it. They would call A and <laughs> <laughs> That was it. And that was Santa. He was making that, was, that move. Exactly. And everybody was upset with them.
0: <laughs> I know. But then the customers loved it. They loved it. They did. And it was it, communal.
2: Yeah.
0: It was. Good. That was. That was the way they did it. And then they all had. They all had the. The. Uh, the 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 sale flyers from right. all the other stores at each store. That's right. And like the, the the salesman would show up, oh no we don't have it, but you should you should head over to Gimbel's. It engendered shopping. That was it. You gotta yeah, yeah. everybody was on the same page. Yeah. Oh, I miss those times. <laughs> Me too. So he's gonna be on in a couple of weeks I'm gonna talk about this book that really gets into the you know the history of ANS and uh, the Macy's over here, which was the NS the ANS has changed significantly. Mm-hmm. Uh, even since this book has been published. They're doing a lot of work over there, good and bad, and we're going to get into that. But that's in a couple weeks. I just wanted to put that out there. And now I'm going to hand it over to Bill Roundy because I know you have some questions for Dean about some of the stuff that he's working on. You're going to tell us all about it, and and why don't you introduce
1: Dean for us?
2: All right. Well, Dean has so many projects, it's actually hard to know where to start. (laughs) Uh, But... uh, He's a local cartoonist right here in Brooklyn. How long have you been here?
1: I've been in uh, Carroll Gardens for a little over 20 years now.
2: Right. He has uh, drawn comics for just about everybody. Yep. Um, Marvel,
1: DC, uh, IDW, Dark Horse, Heavy Metal,
2: Archie. I'm
3: going to give you a quick round of applause.
2: <laughs> uh, that's a little roundy of applause. Thank there you. you.
3: Go.
2: <laughs> Uh, but now uh, he's been working on his own comics for himself. Right. He's got a whole series going on about the new Brooklyn. That's right. Uh, That's right. And he's also now a playwright. He has yes. a play going on called uh, Harakiri Kane, Die, Die Again at the Brick Theater That's up right. in Williamsburg.
0: Now, I heard that stars a... Uh, a, a uh,
2: a a uh, adult actress, adult actress. There you wow. go. A you star, A it star, a porn star. As a, it were. A porn star. Yeah. Yes, story. A, a pretty young lady. Yes.
0: Is is that our lead? I don't think we should bury the lead.
1: <laughs> she's making her uh, New York theatrical debut in my play, and she uh, we just got a very nice review, and where they said that she was poignant and profound. So I was very excited by that, and she's great. <laughs> <in> that. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you need the headphones. <laughs> as well as. Uh, as well as a bunch of other great actors from uh, the Gemini Collision Works uh, ensemble. And uh, my buddy Philip Cruz is in it. And, uh, and a whole bunch of folks. It's really, it's a, it, it's a, I, I mean, I'm biased, but I, I think it's a great play. So I'm really excited by it.
2: So what's it like, uh, Like, how is it different writing a play as opposed to just working on your own comics all by yourself? Because you to right. work with a lot of other people.
1: So, so, I mean, I'm 50 years old. At age 12, I decided I wanted to make comics for the rest of my life because I loved comic books at the time. Uh, but what I, what over the years, you know, you come to love comics, movies, television, theater, you know, song and dance. And ultimately what I'm attracted to is narrative. And I realize that I just love different, all kinds of stories, you know. So why just keep it to comics, you know. Um, and especially growing up, now comics are cool. When I was growing up, and I don't know if you remember this, Bill, but like comics were not cool. No, no, I,
2: I remember that distinctly.
1: Yes, berated, girls made funny, whatever, you know, like jocks would beat you up. And, and but, so if you loved comics, it was because you were really impassioned by them, you know, and, and you stuck to it. Uh, and then you'd form your little friendships, you know, with these little posses of other comic book readers, uh, so on and so forth. So with that in mind, I, I decided I was going to, you know, dedicate my life to making comics. And then eventually I had these other stories. And, you know, uh, as a person who wa- uh, wanted to draw the Fantastic Four one day, that was my dream. Uh, And then you expand from wanting to draw another company's property to writing and creating and drawing your own stuff, you know, as you learn from the alternative comics, the underground, the black and whites, the art crumb type, you know, material, Uh, Harvey P. Carr's American Splendor, uh, where you could tell stories about your own life. You could create your own superheroes. So little by small, I kind of carried over to that area of doing independent comics while hopscotching, you know, drawing for Marvel and DC and so on and so forth. But then, like I said, I had these other stories that may not necessarily work as a comic. And uh, this play, well, this is actually my second play. The first play I did was called Switch to Kill in 2014, At the Brick, uh, directed and produced by Ian W. Hill, who's also the director and producer of this uh, play as well. And he also was one of the actors. Uh, But I had this story and I had like I do uh, several others and I thought, well, let me try to transition this idea into, you know, talking parts, you know, and moving pieces.
2: Right. So what is the the story of the play?
1: So the play is about a boxer who died a year ago and doesn't know it. And he uh, learns little by small that he's basically an angel of death. He's there to help shepherd people who die onto their next level, wherever that is next. Uh, but he has amnesia. So part of the story is kind of like a mystery of how he died. And then he realizes, well, if I'm an angel of death, who didn't come to get me? So it becomes kind of like a weird little murder mystery. Just like Columbo. <laughs> totally. <laughs> it, it, I would have cast Peter Falk, absolutely. <laughs> um, so, so then the parallel story, though, is about a uh, serial killer psychotic chef who uh, is about to open his restaurant, and he uh, is trying to become immortal. So our guy is immortal, our hero, and he and he soon you discover, you know, being immortal kind of sucks, especially if that's your job, doing what you do, right? So this other guy, this chef. Uh, wants to be immortal, and in his own sickness, he thinks that if you cut out a person's heart and place it over the breast pocket of your own, you can trick death when death tries to come and grab your heart and take you away and kill you. It makes so, complete sense. Exactly. You know, so again, he's psychotic. Uh, so uh, the story converges uh, toward the third act when these two people meet. But meanwhile, there is a journey. You meet other people uh, in their last you know, five minutes of life. So in some ways, it's a little morbid, and very heavy, but the absurdity of some of it keeps it funny and, and, and there's some levity. And yet there's a lot of, I hate to say it, there's a lot of heart. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but that sounds like it would have played very well in a comic strip. It
1: actually would have, <laughs> but, but and, and actually, well, one of the things, I wrote it originally as a screenplay, then I tried to sell it as a graphic novel. And I think maybe the way it was written or maybe the subject matter just wasn't, you know, clicking with certain publishers. Mm-hmm. So I'm sitting there with it. and I realized there was a lot of great like monologues and interactions between people. and I wanted to see this performed and behaved. And luckily, uh, you know, people who work in theater agreed with that and are making this happen right now.
0: Did you try to write more for this as oh like, you' writing abs- and like, I mean, it seems like an obvious question, but, It's like you have to go at this a different way, right? You have
1: to because when you visualize something, you can rely on the visuals to tell the story. You know, in comics, image is text. Okay, Mm -hmm. in uh, movies. You know, uh, you follow an image, you know, around. And you can have minutes without without anybody talking. You just have ambient sound, maybe. You know, it doesn't matter. So you're following images the whole, entire time. Here, you, you, you can't have a lot of dead space, you know. Mm-hmm. You have to have people performing and, and behaving. And I absolutely custom-tailored this story and wrote a bunch of new scenes and ideas because I knew it would be a play. Mm-hmm. So I did absolutely do that, you know. And then you workshop that. You see what's working, what's not working. You know, I also write in a very stylized way. I'm a fan of David Mamet and Harold Pinter and Edward Albee. So, you know, I kind of like, I like that kind of stylized theater. Well, you know?
0: coffee is for closers only, but... <laughs> Absolutely. Um, <laughs> but uh, I'm not going to ask you what's harder, but right. what was, what's more fun?
1: Oh, I mean, between comics between and Between wri-
0: writing the comics and writing, the, well, writing for theater. Well,
1: yeah. comics traditionally is, is kind of a, uh, a, there's a lot of solitude. Like mm-hmm. after I leave this podcast with you guys, we're gonna go sit as it starts to pour rain, uh, in my quiet studio and everyone's gonna go and have dinner with their significant others and I'm gonna sit there and, and draw a page today, you know. Uh, I, as you can tell a little bit, I'm a social person. So that kinda like messes with my uh, my my groove a little bit to be able to sit there and try to crank out a page by myself, you know. So I listen to a lot of podcasts, music, whatever, try to keep the, the room ambient. But uh there's nothing that beats like watching people say your words and and realize them and then do other things with them, you know. Because I'm such a control freak with comics, mm-hmm. you get to be a control. Well, freak. Well, you have people.
0: absolute control. You're God. In you're God. You're
1: God in comics, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, there is an. Ass- sometimes you're working in collaboration. I've done that as well. Mm-hmm. But basically, you're God of comics. In theater, you got to like basically hand the baton, the narrative baton, over to the next people. They're going to interpret it and make it something else. Mm-hmm. So I like that.
0: What was the most interesting thing to come out of that? Like some that you didn't even think of that ended up in the play?
1: Oh, gosh, I think almost everything, you know? <laughs> I mean, honestly, honestly, like, like I, did, I, I'm, I have an e- a healthy ego, but at the end of the day, this play is theirs. You know, like, I wrote this, but, well, I wouldn't say theirs, it's ours, mm-hmm. you know? And so everyone contributed something brand new, uh, and while keeping uh, respectful to the source material, if that makes sense, you mm-hmm. know? Uh, so I'm really excited by that. And and I, I I love black box theater, you know, this off-off-Broadway stuff, you know. Like, every, I know everyone's on their phones. I'm going to sound like an old man complaining, you know. But I really, I, I encourage people to go out there and experience these things live and direct, mm-hmm. you know. I went to the Fringe Fest
0: uh-huh. uh, when that happened, only because uh, my former... Uh Podcast co-host Gersh Kuntsman did, a, did a play. Yeah, he did a play called That's right. "Murder at the Food Co-op." That's right. Which I, I think we talked
1: about. On I think little, we did. Yeah, yeah. we talked
0: about it on the on the show. But yeah, it's definitely fun to get out to one of these small theaters where it's very very personal, mm-hmm. and it's you mm-hmm. know, and uh, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. So. Well, think
1: about when people go to the movie theater, which I don't like going to anymore because people pop open their phones. It's not about the crying babies. It's like literally, you can't immerse yourself. You can't suspend disbelief for 90 minutes to two hours and watch something, you know? Like, you have to be on your phone for what, you know? Just enjoy the thing in front of you. And I think theater demands that of people, you know? And then Mm -hmm. you walk away having steeped in something that maybe you were was unexpected and that can do something for you and hopefully provoke thought, you know?
0: Well, um, where did you... How did you get interested in, let's take it back to comics for a sure, second. How sure. did you get interested in it as a kid? What was like the first thing that, that, caught, your, uh, that caught your eye? And, and where did you grow up?
1: I grew up in the Upper West Side of New York at 79th Street and Broadway. So
0: what was your comic book store? Up there?
1: It was a newsstand across the street. Oh, it was just a newsstand? Just a newsstand. Oh, okay. And I, I won't, I can't claim I remember seeing a comic book for the first time, you know. But I do remember realizing that these things came out weekly. And so it became my little religion. And if it was a Tuesday or a Wednesday or whenever it was that they would come out, I would be there as soon as possible because this was before comic shops where you could ask somebody, you know, the, the retailer to, to hold copies for you or do a subscription or whatever. Mm-hmm. There you had to get there before it sold out, you know, <laughs> you peruse all the covers and then you crack them open. And these were also during days when you would get a whole story in one issue for like. Thirty cents. Right.
3: Know? That was my next question:
0: was, how much we you paying. For I think him? it yeah.
1: was. Uh, might have been the transition of twenty five cents to thirty cents. You right. know, when comics were affordable, now it's four dollars for like one sixth of a story, and it's embarrassing. I have to admit. You know, uh, I mean, I, listen, comics have always been hard. I mean, you ha- you have to be, you have to be diehard, I think in order to want to read them or you know follow them, that is. You know, but I will say this. With the amount of great television that, that's come our way, I would, I would even hazard that's become our modern literature in some ways, uh, with all the great TV shows on HBO and everywhere else, AMC, um, I'll sometimes talk to folks and they'll be like, you know, I, it's hard for me to follow all these different shows. I'm like, it's so easy for a comic book reader with <laughs> all the different stories that we have to follow on a weekly basis, you know? And now that I'm doing a free web comic online, it, it, the internet's exploded with comics, you know? Mm-hmm. You, 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 It's lousy with comics, you know? So, I mean, do you ever check out the line Webtoon stuff or any other kind of platforms? Oh yeah,
2: I mean, there are so many comics online yep. and a lot of them will have archives that are going back, you know, five, 10 years yes. and you can read them all in one great big binge. People used and to ask, was, well, well, well,
1: people used to ask me like, is there a comic for, you know, whatever their interest level is? And at first it would be, you know, certain genres, superhero, crime, whatever. Now, if you like, you know, a certain kind of shoe, I'm sure there's a comic about that. Oh, jeez. You know? And so. that's just because of the internet, or...? Oh, um, well, it started to happen in print uh-huh. and in the comic shops, but absolutely because of the internet. I mean, like, the entry, free, the entry fee is for you to dedicate some time to scratch out something and put it up. Mm-hmm. You know, before, you'd have to be sanctioned by an editor or a publisher or go to the printer if you're going to self-publish and try to figure out how to distribute it, right? Now, it's like... If people can post a picture of their lunch on Facebook, they might as well publish a comic too. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, has that created like a, like a, a tremendous amount of bad comics?
1: Sure, <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
0: <laughs> uh, yes, yes. But but you think uh, more good has come out of that than than? I'm not going to say more good has come out of that than bad, but it, at least it's allowed comic uh, artists that are you yes know, that were doing a good job to get out there without having to get the publisher and.
1: I think what happens is that one could hazard that, you know, oh, it's more competition. No, not at all, actually, because if you're doing something unique and only you do that, then that's why people read your comic, okay? I don't care if we're all doing superheroes, westerns, romance, whatever. It's just they come to you for your voice, hopefully, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, But I think the other thing they discover is when they post a comic, and then they're like, oh, a lot of people liked it, and then you wait a couple of weeks before you post the next one, and it starts to drop off, People are fickle, okay? Mm-hmm. Like you have to commit to these things, and I think uh, this, uh, newbie cartoonists have to discover that and find out whether or not they're in it for the long haul.
0: See, I should have brought Sylvan in here because Sylvan, who's our web guy. Uh-huh. I hired him out of college um, it's got to be ten years now. jeez. And I hired him to do our to do our website. But one of the reasons why I hired him was because during the job interview, uh-huh. we just started talking. And he was talking about his interest in comics and comic strips, which Mm. when I was a kid, I was interested in. Mm. I wasn't a comic book guy, Mm. Mm. but I would love Bloom County and Calvin and Hobbes and uh, the Far Side. Can I interrupt for one second?
1: So we'll get back to Sylvan. So the first cartoonist I officially met. I think I was 15 years old, maybe 16. I was working at a candy store. And this Jap- older Japanese-American man used to come in all the time for his lotto tickets and cigars whatever. And he would carry a portfolio. And one day I asked him, what's in that portfolio? <laughs> and he busted out a bunch of original strips of, do you remember a comic called Dondi? I remember Dandy, yeah. So oh, yeah. he was the letterer of Dandy, Ben Oda.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And uh, I finally met my first real Because, car- you know, you get these comics, and sometimes you'd notice the names, but the, you didn't I remember when one point when I said I want to be a cartoonist to somebody, they said, wait, people make those things? They thought they just appeared or something. It's like <laughs> <His product>. magic. <laughs> it's magic. And so I met a person, a human being, that actually made these things, you know? Yeah. So that was my first encounter. So going back to Sylvan, uh, well, well, and you're, you're loving strips.
0: Yeah, so we started talking about comic strips, and I asked him what his favorite comic strips were, you know, growing up, because he, he's 10 years younger than me, more, maybe 15 years younger mm-hmm. than me, and he still said that he loved Calvin and Hobbes. Calvin's the, the, the best yeah. of and all time. I was just like, well, that's it. You're hired.
1: <laughs> that's it. Yeah, very good answer. <laughs> I, I hired him. Now we know the secret people. <laughs> I
0: hired him based on based on his love of it was it was the the trifecta of Calvin and Hobbes, The Far Side. Oh And, yes. and Bloom County. Which, oh yes, absolutely. Which absolutely. was which was my favorite. Listen, we got to
3: take a little break, all
0: right? right. We, we, we've been going long and hard here, huh? Not
3: bad. <laughs> How are we doing on time, Johnny? Yeah, we're good. We're good. What are we at? We're at uh, about 25 minutes This is the perfect time for a break. You're okay. right. <laughs> right? Absolutely. So i got to ask, I'm going to open this up
0: to the board. When was the last time, Dean, when was the last time you saw a quality dentist who was truly affordable? Uh, Recently. Recently, Yeah. but not recently enough, because right. you haven't been to Dr. Joseph Lichter yet. Maybe oh, it was no. affordable, but not as affordable as it could be, because... Good to know. Dr. Joseph Lichter's state-of-the-art dentistry is offered at extremely reasonable prices so that anyone, almost anyone, not anyone, you got to have some money. Sure. Almost (laughs) anyone can afford to get the smile they deserve. Right now, his prices are even more affordable because listeners of this very podcast, Brooklyn Paper Radio, can get special low prices for some of Dr. Lichter's most popular procedures and famous procedures for that
2: matter. You, you can do that on cartoonist money. You can do, actually, <laughs> I
1: traded art for uh, a for recent d- procedure. For dentistry.
2: Yes.
0: <laughs> art for dentistry. So, uh, now when you go into that dentist office, the, uh, the stuff's on the it's, walls. It's on the
1: wall it's, and it's part of my uh, Red Hook comic. You'll, you'll, I'll tell you about it. Later. That's right. Mean.
0: <laughs> you know Invisalign, that's the virtually invisible alternative to metal braces. It usually costs $5,000 or more. At Dr. Joseph Lichter, you will save $1,000. And then there are porcelain veneers. Everybody's getting these these days. The porcelain veneers can go for a thousand or more, but at Lichter, you pay only six seventy-five. So get that bright smile that you deserve. All right. Everybody deserves a good smile. <laughs> of course. You deserve it. And call Dr. Joseph Lichter's office. They make an appointment. He's at 718-339-7878. Don't just show up. I mean he loves to have people walking in the office. There's no <laughs> doubt about that. But you want to make an appointment first. Be professional about it if you're going to get your teeth done. Give him a call. Lichter's a pro. Lichter's a pro. Visit him online. He's at josephlichterdds.com. I'll let you spell that yourself. And, of course, he's at 1420 Avenue P between East 14th and East 15th Streets in Midwood. Again, it's 718-339-7878.
3: You know, I hear porcelain. I think of elephant tusks. Why? What's going on with me? I don't don't know, Johnny. I don't know. All right, moving on. (laughs) Dean, maybe you know somebody who's worried about getting put in a nursing home possibly uh i defer that to bill <laughs> <laughs> well tell them have no fear because village care max is here they got to see what's possible when health care gets personal village care max is a medicaid managed long-term plan they help you stay in your home and in your community for as long as possible they give you a whole team of health care professionals that'll work with your doctor a whole team helping you obtain the best health care options available to you you want more information Check them out at VillageCareMax.org or call them. Give them a call, 1-800-469-6292 and live the life you want to live. you got to live that life. It's that simple. With though. the
1: smile you deserve.
3: <laughs> there you go. Look at
2: these.
1: You know, I have a baby tooth.
3: I think we've talked about this.
1: <laughs> I do. I have a baby tooth. I just wrote a character in my next play that never lost his baby teeth. All of them? All of them. Well, that's fantastic. It's pretty good. Yeah. I actually knew a guy that never lost all his baby teeth and it was bizarre to me and Did it kind wait, wait. of messed up his life all of his teeth all of his teeth were still baby teeth yes oh my
0: god like you can't eat they don't yeah, grow they right they don't
1: grow you have to be very careful i think he just drank his food <laughs> man <laughs>
3: honestly poor guy
1: yeah. Well, yeah see
0: you know what they say life is stranger than fiction yes Yes. See? But Can't then you turned it stuff. into
1: fiction. Well, yeah, but you're right, though. Ultimately, life is much more bizarre than anything I'll ever write.
0: It's weird. Yes. Did you hear about this election last year?
1: I, 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 I've I,
2: heard. Uh, uh, <laughs> what happened in that? Did that really happen? That no, I don't it? think so. I'm just, I don't know. We're going to wake up any minute.
0: Listen, when I was a kid, um, I was
1: into video games. Mm-hmm. All right, you Atari be- video? Well, Nintendo? I had. You
0: know, listen, I don't want to get into the whole Atari. Are we thing.
1: talking to Defender, Missile Command? I'm born in '71. Pac-Man. I'm 67. All right. All so right.
0: we're okay. right. You're yeah, you're like my older brother. Right, right. 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 So we we you know we want the video game system for Christmas. We want the Atari. So yep. what does dad do? He goes. Get out you a out. bicycle. No. <laughs> he goes out. We had bikes. Trust okay. me. Okay. I grew up on Staten Island. Right. So. <laughs> He goes out, and he starts talking to the salesman, and the salesman convinces him to buy the Magnavox Odyssey 2. I heard be- of that. Because it had a keyboard. Okay. We got so screwed yes, on Yes, you did. Everyone, all the neighbors came over and laughed at <laughs> yes, us. The did. other kids, everybody had the Atari, <laughs> yep. and they were playing Space Invaders, yep. and we were playing Casey Munchkin. Oh, see? Right? Never heard of it. Yeah, I
1: know. You might as well have had baby teeth all your life. So I... <laughs>
0: I fought and fought in around 1981 or 82. I fought and fought to get the ColecoVision. Mm. And then we were the stars mm. of the block. Once we got the ColecoVision, yep. Yep. everything changed.
1: Well, you know, it's funny because like, you wonder how that happens because you know, who's buying what, and, and, and it's all down to marketing. You know, I, th- I believe it was Beta was always better than VHS. Always. But VHS had the better marketing, so everyone went that way.
0: Well, I think with, with Beta and, v- and VHS, it was price. I think that it was, oh, okay. VHS was good enough that it didn't justify the cost of, of, of paying beta. extra for the, the Betamax. Well, the
1: same thing I was recently uh, – I finally buckled and got a Blu-ray player because the Blu-ray player was <laughs> – Now? I know. I know because I've been doing DVD all my li- – not all my life. You know, when we went from VHS to DVD. <laughs> but, but I finally buckled and got a Blu-ray player. Why? Be- because <laughs> two reasons. The Blu-ray player got cheaper. And the Blu-ray, the diamond dozen now. now, now, and the Blu-rays got cheaper. So okay. you know well, the so, Criterion collections are still expensive. But so they, you like yeah. you
0: like to have the physical copy of what you're buying. <sighs> I'm old school, man. In front of you, I'm yeah. old
1: school. I, I'm not into this whole like put it in the cloud, you know, type thing. Well,
0: I like to have I like to have it as well. Uh, you know, when it comes to movies and stuff like that. But whenever I buy the movie, mm. I it has to have that digital copy. Okay. that I can get and just. You put to, it put it on iTunes and put it anywhere. And then you I, go. yeah, and then right. I just take the and I still have the physical copy. I put it in the in the you mm-hmm. know in the closet, mm-hmm. and it's there in case anything in case the internet explodes
1: or, or the apocalypse. When so you can still happens. watch your DVDs the, after yeah, the I apocalypse. I can go
0: back and watch and watch my. <laughs> my right. It was funny last night. I uh, I found an old DVD. I was cleaning um, the bedroom. And surprisingly found a, a Blu-ray player. Just, <laughs> a Blu-ray buried, player just <laughs> buried somewhere, you know? So <laughs> I, do that. I find like an old VHS tape I've still got. Oh yeah. Oh, you know yeah. what I got? Or have? I have I found the old like the original Star Wars uh trilogy mm. on on VHS. Where a hand yeah. shot first. So yes, there it has go. it has all the original stuff nice. before any of the changes nice. went in. I got nice. and I was like, you know what? This I'm gonna keep. Yeah. This is something worth yeah. keeping. Yeah. Even though I don't have a VCR,
1: and but it's also because not only it's only nostalgic, but actually it's a collector's item. That's a collector's there you item. Go. Well, that's something
2: j- that actually could be worth something. So I also had the original trilogy on VHS, and I wound up giving them to my brother, who has a VCR, like in the kid's room. Yeah, and so that is the version of Star Wars that mm. I introduced my nephews to. Mm-hmm. Nice. Really? Yeah. Now, although my uh, my oldest the- nephew is confused because it starts off uh, saying that it's Episode Four, and he's like, "Aren't." Is this the fourth one? Are there three others? Right, I was like, right. no, I no, there are, no, no. No, they're
1: not. No, they're not. I
0: think in the original it just said episode four, but it didn't say A New Hope. I don't think <laughs> it said A New Hope. I or, think or anything re- retro. like that. Yeah, yeah,
1: I think that's retro. A friend of mine, Dave Proach, uh, he he still listens to cassette tapes and watches VHS Sorry movies. Sorry about that, yeah. I know, but he likes that magnet, that magnet tape. But there's that phenomenon, the vinyl record still is a marketable you know, well, medium. You know? There's at
2: least one... Uh, and newspapers.
1: And newspapers, thank God. <laughs> Thanks
2: God. There's at least one studio I know in Brooklyn that only releases music on cassettes. Really? Yeah, they're old school. What are they like DJs or like mixtapes
1: type things? No, or? it's actual bands. Really? Yeah. Wow. What are they called? Do you remember the name? I, or? I'd have to look it up. Oh, okay. That's cool.
0: So, well, the reason I brought up video games was because the video... I had a friend in, in high school, uh, Billy Walters, who was a big comic book guy. Mm-hmm. Like, he was my comic book guy friend. Mm-hmm. And then uh, he... So he introduced me to, like, certain things that he was into. That was... Dark Knight. Dark Knight, was it Dark Knight? Oh, the Dark Knight Returns, Dark uh, Frank Night. Miller in 86,
1: yeah. I think? Yeah, around okay. that. so they, I was like 15. Right, okay. Yeah. So he introduced yeah. me to that. And Watchman came out around that Watchman. time. Watchman was yep. a big,
0: and he had all this stuff, and, yep. and he had the New York City, was it New York City, or New York? it was uh, a Will Eisner. Oh, Will
1: Eisner did the New York Stories, I believe, yeah. a collection of New York Stories, and then Something he like did, that. Uh, before no. that, years before he did Contract with God, and other, he's one of the first guys to do graphic novels. No. You know, actual that, graphing. Right. So that uh, w-
0: that was all happening. And at the time, we used to go into Eltingville.
1: Oh, I know who you're gonna talk about. I did a collaboration with him. With who? Are you talking about Evan Dorkin? Evan? Yeah. Oh. You did a collaboration with Evan? <laughs> yes.
0: Evan Evan worked at Jim Hanley's University. Yes, Billy did. worked at Jim Hanley's University. Oh, okay. All, all right. right. So here's the Billy and Evan collaboration. Now this could be true, it could not be okay. true. But uh Billy uh, Evan did a thing called um uh the, the He did a comic called Hectic Planet. But and then like, later, I did milk and cheese. Milk and cheese. Okay, milk and cheese. It was produce gone bad. That's right. That's All right. right. That's great, right. great stuff.
1: Yeah.
0: And there was a line. Well, he's out with Billy one night, mm-hmm. and they're drinking, which probably we weren't even. You know, we were probably eighteen, sure. maybe. Right. So he's out. He's out drinking, and uh, Billy was was drinking gin, and he got angry, and he was screaming and something like that. And Evans like, "What's wrong with you? What are you doing?" Right. And Billy just went, "Gin makes a man mean." Yep. Like yep. that. Yep. And it ended up. In the, in, the, comic. in the comic, absolutely, in the absolutely,
1: comic. and that was uh, that was Jim Hanley's universe. So, so I know I didn't know Evan when he worked at Jim Hanley's. I met him when he when there was this uh, comic book company. I, I want to say it started either in Brooklyn or Staten Island. Uh, Brian David Marshall or is that, is that his, his name? Him, yeah. Brian Marshall. He um, he was like one of my first publishers, mm-hmm. and we we did a comic called The Verdict, uh, written by Martin Powell, a guy from Kentucky. I drew it. Uh, and then I met this kid Evan Dorkin, who I think was doing Hectic Planet at the time, and maybe Hopscotching. He was probably doing like milk and cheese strips, I think, and then would collect them. Mm-hmm. Then later on, he did the Eltingville.
0: Welcome to Eltingville, the TV show. Uh,
1: well, well, there was there was an the Eltingville like fan club or whatever it was called, it was like three or four comic book kids, you know, kids who like comics, mm-hmm. and would complain, and you know, and I, maybe one tried to draw them or whatever. In fact, he just wrapped it up recently. Uh, And then he and and I got friendly, but he was a huge Marvel fan like I was. Mm -hmm. And at one point, I want to say the early 2000s, late 90s, early 2000s, let's say 2001, uh, I I got an opportunity to pitch a a miniseries to Marvel Comics uh, about the character The Thing from the Fantastic Four, who's my favorite character at Marvel. And I I was kind of having a tough time with the plot. So I decided to bring Evan in on it. Evan fleshed it out. And then we pitched it and then it got sold and then he wrote it and I drew it and it's called the thing Night Falls on Yancey Street and it's a four issue miniseries. I don't know if it ever got collected because mm-hmm. it wasn't in continuity, but uh we got to do this collaboration. How long ago was that? That's like fifteen years ago. Oh wow. Fifty something like that. Yeah. So wow.
0: yeah. he had a character he yeah. did the con- he did the the one cartoon was mm-hmm. Welcome to Haltingville. Right. Which and became a cartoon. Yeah. Which then became online. a cartoon, right? Yeah, the, the, the actual... Yeah, there's one episode that was yes, on... Yes, a pilot. Yeah. yeah. And there's, this, there's scenes in it where... Uh, and I, I, this, he, he told us, was not from Billy. But when we would go to Billy's house, Billy had a basement. Mm. And uh, we would all hang out in the basement. And his mother, she never showed a face, and you weren't allowed upstairs. You know? You wow. were not allowed upstairs, and she didn't show her face. And it was always a... <laughs> Hey, it was a vo- It was a voice. It was a voice from upstairs. <laughs> I said, what are you guys
1: doing down here? Billy,
0: come up here. The toast right. is not working. Billy! Right. Hey! Right. Like that. And it was very funny. And in the, comic, in the cartoon, there's something like that. But, but Billy, I think, spoke to Evan about that. And he said, no, it wasn't from your right, right, It was, right, it was right, somebody right. else. But.
1: So what did Billy go on to do? Oh, geez, advertising. He does advertising. OK.
0: He did advertising. But he worked at Universe um, on Richmond Avenue. And then they went to the mall. Right, right. They were in the Staten Island Mall, and Billy was working. He was a manager. Is it New Dorp. I know it's in New Dorp. The one now. in New Dorp is still there. He's still there. And right? Ronnie. I don't know Ronnie's last name, but he lives around the corner from me. Oh, okay. Uh, he owns the place. Right. I forget his last name, but uh, Ron Hill. Yeah, yeah. Ron yeah. Hill.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we call them. And Ronnie. Nick Propora, uh, and now it's called JHU Comics. I yes. believe so. It went from Jim Hanley's to JHU,
0: and they have they still have a store in the they city. They have a store in the
1: city over like I want to say 32nd Street. It's it's a couple blocks away from the their old uh, spot uh, across the street from the Empire State Building. Yep. So it's a little more east.
0: And then the one in New Dorp is on New Dorp Lane, right, uh, right. on Staten Island, which right. is by the train. If you need to get ah, out there, you can take okay. the train and get off okay. at New Dorp, walk down the block, and there's plenty of places to eat over there right, as well. Right, right. But I used to go there and hang out in the back because they had video games in the back. They had um, Marble Madness. Okay. And I used to play Marble Madness for hours, and I used to buy I was into like Twilight Zone. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So I would buy the Twilight Zone companion there. I bought the Twilight Zone short stories yep, there. Yep. I bought and I bought old Mad magazines. That, oh my was God. Like a, that was a cool thing for me they're going to go in and get a Mad Magazine from like the 60s.
1: All right, so Evan has contributed to Mad Magazine in the, in the last bunch of years. Really? Yes. And in fact, they're doing a re, uh, reboot, I think, with the magazine. And uh, Bill Morrison, who I believe wrote and drew a ton of uh, Simpsons, Simpsons comics recently, uh, the last decade or so, is be- has become the new editor in chief of it. And he's like kicking it in the pants and recruiting a whole bunch of, of new. Well, new, older cartoonists, like okay. Bob Fingerman. I don't know if it's been announced yet, but yeah. So And that's and cool. I know that, that Evan uh, have been doing stuff for Mad recently. Wow. So that's so pretty it's a, cool. It's
0: a new, usual gang of idiots. That's right.
1: <laughs> so that's are you right. going to try to horn in there? You know, I don't know if I have that. I, I loved reading it as a kid. I don't know if I have that sense of humor or understanding of how that kind of comedy works, you know. Uh, it's a special kind of idiot, I think, it takes to, to, to create for that. Because
2: hmm. you, know? well, you do a lot of sort of action... Punch him up. I do, but I'm also, but also a lot of heart.
1: A lot of heart, and and that's there's a sweet spot of humor, you know, where you get to parody something, or you know, there's a certain kind of commentary that I don't really truck in, you know, in terms of comedy. So
0: I don't know. When I read comic strips, there's like this voice mm. to the comic strip in my head, mm-hmm. and it's a very serious voice. Is it? You know, yeah, it is, and I don't know if it's because of how most not. And I'm talking specifically about you know, graphic novels. Oh, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Usually, yeah. There's this voice in my head that's like, it's almost like, you know, like when I would read the village voice and they would do one of their Mm hard-hitting stories, it's like that same voice. Mm. It's like, Interesting. You know, five hundred people gathered outside. The- <laughs> that's great. You know, like, like that. <laughs> is that the
2: Batman voice? The Th-
0: <laughs> I don't know what it is, but that's the voice that's in my head when I when I read these well, things. and when I, when I write stories or edit stories for the Brooklyn Paper. Mm-hmm. You know, the Brooklyn Paper has a voice,
1: sure. And I sure. write in that voice and that voice. It's Rod Serling, your Twilight Zone fan fan. Uh, that's what you're hearing is a little Rod. because he would narrate those beginnings <laughs> yeah. and those endings. And you're maybe hearing that the voice I heard often was Stan Lee's voice because he would narrate a lot of the comics. But Right. You know, and, 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 you know, because a lot of the artists would write and draw these stories, but then he would put his pizzazz on top of it, you know, and, uh-huh. and flesh out the dialogue and write all the captions. And then you would hear, he was one of the first cartoonists you ever heard in real life, was his voice, Stanley. You know? And his voice is the voice. And his voice is the voice. It's literally the voice. A- absolutely. So, <laughs> so yeah, when yeah, you're
0: yeah. writing these cartoons, yes. is that like, is that how you, like,
1: you know, like, gosh, you know, uh, uh, somebody once described my my writing style, especially the, the the narrative captions, to be kind of like a beatnik poetry, like a, a you know a thug with a heart kind of thing. <laughs> so a little bit of noir, you know, throwing a little noir in there. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I I don't know if, if I necessarily hear a voice, especially as the writer, you uh-huh. know. But when I read other comics, do I project some kind of voice? That's a good question. I, I have not. Recognize I don't
0: that. know if I asked that question, but I'm glad oh, I did. Oh, geez. Well, <laughs> it kind of went that
1: way. <laughs> because you're talking about what you hear. Right. I'm wondering, do, do I hear a voice? And I don't know. I, I've never paid attention to that. I but might have to y- do that. You don't act out all the different characters as you write their dialogue? No, but, but I will say this, because I did a performance last night at KGB Bar where we read comics out loud. The more, the more recent comics I've produced, I now think about, would this read well out loud? Because often you read comics and they're funky, they're weird, you know, Uh they don't always work, you know, when you read them out loud. But you read them to yourself, that's a different thing, you know, you're parsing it differently. But to say it out loud and perform it, I dare say act it, you know, I've now thought about and and, uh, rearranged a sentence so that I know if you said it out loud, it might work better.
2: So you've got a new comic coming out soon called War Cry. Yes. So is that... Of, uh, Thank God Bill Roundy is yeah. keeping us on point. I'll keep talking about Eltingville, Newdorp Lane, I love and all it. this other shit. Yeah. Uh, which is about uh, a new superhero in the New Brooklyn. Yes. So you've written that so that it can be performed? You're going to act that out for us? I, I, that was, I, <laughs> so
1: I, I performed two chapters last night, a little sneak preview of it, a month before it comes out online. And so War Cry is a sequel to a comic called The Red Hook, which is part of this New Brooklyn universe. Uh, The Red Hook uh, is a super thief that's forced to become a superhero against his will, or he will die. During a time when Brooklyn reveals itself to be sentient, and uh, uh, it is uh, heartbroken by the apathy and indifference of the world, and decides to physically and literally secede from New York, ergo America. This is what we talked about last time. That's what we talked about last time. time. Yes, and to start its own republic. Uh, a new Brooklyn uh, where art can be uh, traded for food and services, which is a little bit of a fantasy, uh, although, like I said, I was able to get some dental work for doing some (laughs) custom-made artwork for for the dentist. (laughs) So it has happened. Uh, And so, spoiler, um, the Red Hook's girlfriend, the possum, sacrifices herself at the end of the story to help save the world, dies, but toward the very end of the comic, on the, the morgue table, her eyes open up. Dun, dun 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 dun. Did you watch Stranger Things? So no, I haven't. Don't spoil. No, I won't say. That. <laughs> okay. Okay. So uh, cut to this next comic, War Cry, which is a direct sequel, and. Um, uh gosh, how do I explain it? It's a very complicated comic that I had to figure out a way to write it because of how complicated it is. Are you guys fans of CC Beck's Shazam, you know, Captain Marvel, Billy Batson who shots Shazam becomes oh, yeah. the immortal superhero?
0: I just remember the Saturday morning cartoon. He might I
1: have been on like that. that yeah. And then there's I'm another sure. character, or more not not as well known Jack Kirby character, who cr- co-created the Marvel Universe, you know, with Fantastic Four, Hulk, Thor, all that. He then, when he went to DC Comics, one of the things he created was a character called OMAC, which stands for One Man Army Corps. And uh, he's this great character who's kind of this tabula rasa, this blank slate, who's basically turned into this war machine to, to you know fight crime and, and world war and all that stuff. So I always liked the idea of those two characters. I wanted to do a mashup. Um, where a young kid shouts a word, and in this case, it's a black teenager who uh, lives uh, in New Brooklyn. And when, and through a series of events, you have to read the comic for, when he shouts the word "War Cry," like Billy Batson sh- uh, shouts Shazam, he, it, the hero he becomes is this female goddess called War Cry. Uh, kind of, and so instead of one man army corps, it's like one woman army corps. Oh whack, you know, <laughs> and. Um, and oh, it just turns out to be the Red Hook's dead girlfriend. She's been summoned. So what is going on? And the only way I could write... Uh, uh, and then later on, the the black kid discovers he's gay. He's sharing this body with this warrior goddess. Um, it's a little bit of hawk and dove because he's more of the dove. She's the hawk. And all this stuff becomes complicated. And so th- we have to navigate all this through the eyes and, and, and heart of the Red Hook, who's just trying to, like... Date his ex, his dead girlfriend again, and trying to like extricate the two from each other in some way, and then there's this conflict that comes in. So that's where this story kind of begins uh, for Warcry that will be launching December 6th uh, at Line Webtoon, which is this free comics app that you can just download on your phone, like anything else, and get thousands of comics for free.
2: Well, so I got an advanced look at the book, mm, that's um, right. And it starts off with this whole just a crowd of superheroes, yes. so a whole super team, that's right. Uh, and I was Looking around the panel, trying to figure out what your influences were—were mm-hmm. mm-hmm. were those original characters, or are you just like taking your favorites from?
1: So, because oh, the, this kid is basically ingrained with the DNA of all the heroes who try to fight this alien invasion, and then uh, they basically get dispatched pretty quickly, so that he can become this kid becomes this hero, which is a shared body with this woman. Um, uh so in knowing that I was going to dispose of these characters pretty quickly, I kind of wanted to hip-check, you know, some, you know, as you look at it, hopefully you'd think, oh, that's a Batman, that's an Iron Man. Like, mm-hmm. that's what I was thinking, was a little bit of, like, uh, a paying homage to all these characters, what I call the American superheroes. Uh, because the Greeks have their mythology, the Norse have theirs. Our American mythology is our Marvel and DC characters, you know, in a lot of ways. And, you know, Hellboy and a couple other independent produced comic book characters.
0: Well, I think Thor is
1: Norwegian. Yeah, he's Norse. That's right. <laughs> the Norse guy. That's right. He's Norwegian. So, uh, but but with that in mind, I wanted to, in in the New Brooklyn universe, deal with the fact that there were all these American heroes that get dispatched, and now there's still some left, but in New Brooklyn, which has been separated. Uh, so the way I'm starting and positing the story is that now there are no more heroes in America. You know, of course that's not true, but in this new broken universe that's what's happening. So yes, I was definitely hip-checking like a lot of those kind of characters I grew up with. Did you recognize any of them?
2: Oh yeah, I was like, well, that's definitely the uh the Superman analog. That's I think right. there's the Swamp thing. There's a little Swamp thing in there. There's
1: uh there's a bunch of uh, a bunch of characters including a horse uh with a with I believe it's either a, a green cape, a naked horse with a green cape or oh, a was pink a cape? Beta Ray Bill? Or no, a no, it's just a horse. <laughs> just a horse. Because my <laughs> girlfriend loves horses and I had to throw one in there. <laughs>
0: so. it's, it's cool that you could do that because when I was a young writer, uh-huh. I always thought, you know, when I was in my 20s or something like that, that you needed to come up with something completely original. Mm. You know, and what you're talking about when I watch Stranger Things, which sure. we won't get into, sure. but. You know, you see all these different references to all these things that you grew up
1: with and that's so cool. Again, it's the unique voice. So as much as you try to like crack the code of doing something completely original, which is almost impossible. It's, there are no original there ideas. There's no original ideas. Yeah. You know, it's funny, the first I don't know what you tried to write and draw as a kid, but the first thing I tried to do after copying Marvel and DC characters as a kid uh-huh. was I was into Shakespeare for a little while, and I thought, I'm going to make a super team with all the secondary characters. So it was going to be Mercutio, Iago, Tybalt, you know, a bunch of those guys. And then I didn't have a story, so I didn't go anywhere with it. But I did design <laughs> them. Uh, but, yeah, what did you do? Did you ever tackle that at all? Did you ever draw? or No, no,
0: no. I, was, I would write.
1: You just imagine these things? I
0: would write, and I would try to like, come up with something that was original, and you just couldn't do it. No. Like, you yeah. know, you, you can't, and it's then, impossible. like, so. I thought that, like, you know, as a stupid young person, I thought that, well, I shouldn't read anything else, because it's just going to influence me, right. when in reality, I should have been reading other yes. things to be influenced. Because it
1: influences you. I mean, right. hell, I hate to say, but your lunch influences you, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, one of the things that Marvel did that, I mean, I love DC and Marvel, but DC created fake cities. Whereas Marvel, like Spider-Man was in Queens. Right. The Baxter buildings were in Midtown. You know, Doctor Strange was in Bleecker Street. and As opposed you know, to Metropolis. It, exactly. Gotham City, so you know. it felt more real. Right. And so what I finally adopted was like you can make up characters, but if you can put them in real places, it feels more real. And and I'm also reacting to the fact that there's a lot going on in Brooklyn. It's become a lot more expensive, much more difficult for artists to try to make hay here. And, and and we lost our studio space, or we would lose this, or you know, you, you, you find yourself in a smaller space, but spending more money, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's part of my reasoning of, of trying to come up with, well, maybe, okay, and then we might have talked about this last time, so I forgive if I'm sure. repeating myself, but remember the white flags that were on the Brooklyn Bridge a couple of yes, years ago? Yeah. And apparently it turned out after Hip, a hipst- week. Uh,
0: hipster Surrender, was the that <laughs> So the post? Was it that, the
1: Russians? I thought it was the
3: Russians. <laughs> no, it was the hipsters. That,
1: that's now, that's how oh, it would work yeah. now. Uh, but, but nobody knew what had happened. There was a lot of speculation. And then I think a week later, they discovered some German artists did it as a, as a you know kind of stunt or something. But there was that week of speculation, and I did wonder, had Brooklyn given up? Mm-hmm. And that's part of the origin of where I came with the idea of Brooklyn seceding. See? But why did Brooklyn give up? It wasn't really giving up. It was, it was giving the rest of the world a finger and saying, we're going to do it our, our own way now. So that's what the comic kind of does.
0: There you go. All right, we got to take another break, Johnny. Yeah, take another break. Let's take another break. My other one. I don't know how this happens? Now, here it is. Hey, Bill, I'll ask you this time. Hey, are you looking for a dentist-supervised quality care at an affordable price? I absolutely am. You are. Well, you should look no further than our good friend Dr. Joseph Lichter. That's, by the way, that's the Brooklyn Paper voice. The dentist and skilled hygienist at Dr. Victor's <laughs> state-of-the-art office use the most up-to-date technology and techniques to provide you the best experience possible.
2: Right? Man, is that it? <laughs> exactly. That's basically how we do it. That's, that's how he reads all the copy. <laughs> when I'm sitting there editing.
1: I hear a little little Serling in there. I, I hear it. <laughs> I swear. You're traveling through another dimension. <laughs> Uh, Dr.
0: Lichter and his staff perform traditional dental procedures such as teeth cleaning, fillings, root canal therapy, and tooth extractions. But in addition, they offer the latest in restorative and cosmetic dentistry, including implants, porcelain veneers and crowns, fixed bridges, and more. Procedures that can make a broken smile look like new. This is great stuff. This is, this is a great copy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Delicious. Listen, isn't it time that you visit a high-quality, state-of-the-art dentist who keeps dentistry affordable so everyone can benefit, including you, Bill Roundy? Yeah. I mean, Thank you. Well, then you should just get on the phone right now. Call Dr. Lichter's office at 718-339-7878 to set up an appointment that can improve your quality of life. Dr. Lichter, as you know, is located at 1420 Avenue P, as in periodontal between East 14th and East 15th Streets in Midwood. And you can visit his website at josephlichterdds.com. That's dot com. Dr. Joseph Lichter,
3: giving you the smile you deserve. That's right. Thank you. And if you want to stay in your own home, or you know somebody who's going to get sent to a nursing home and doesn't want to, Bill, anybody ring a bell like
2: that? Well, I, I can't really keep track of where I am at any time, so... Okay. Well, don't worry. Danger.
3: Don't worry. I got the answer for you. It's called Village Care Max. They're a Medicaid managed long-term plan. They help you stay in your home and your community for as long as possible. Village Care Max, they give you a, sorry, Max, they give you a team of health care professionals. They'll work with your doctor. They're going to help you set up your health appointments. They're going to organize your medical care. They're going to monitor your medications. So you take your Tuesday pills on a Tuesday. As a member, your care manager is going to visit your home. They're going to talk to you and help your family figure out the best health care options available working together. Your health care team will help you obtain the care you need so you can live the life you want to live. Here's what you want to do. You want to call Village Care Max. Tell them the Brooklyn Paper sent you 1-800-469-6292. That's 1-800-469-6292. Or visit them online At villagecaremax.org. Live the life you want to live. Gotta live that life, Johnny. I know that. It's true. You know, the air conditioning is on. Is
0: that right? It's true. I'm feeling very cold. But the heat is
1: on. I'm feeling there's heat on. That's New York style.
0: What is going on?
1: And only you can't open a window. No, there's no windows. That's right. You can put your hand against it. It's cold. You feel the cold. But you still
0: feel the heat coming off this. Yeah. No
1: control
3: over that stuff, right?
0: No. No, you have no control over the heat. You do have control over the air conditioning in some way. Okay. But you would think that if, if you're turning on the air conditioning, you don't need the heat.
3: That's true. I would
0: I'd make that assumption. I, I don't know. I don't run this place.
3: Some people like having both. You know, you get your heat, you get your air. You
0: know. No, I don't think they do. No? No.
3: One side cold, one side hot, switch mm, sides. No. No, I only want that on my sandwich. Oh, all right. The hot
0: side hot and the cold
1: side cold. Yeah. Interesting. What was that called? The McDLT. Oh, my mom called me up. She said the mac rib sandwich is back. It's
0: back. Oh, wow. I oh ordered gosh, that. I got to go. <laughs> Bill Roundy, thanks for joining us. <laughs> Show's over.
1: I had that once, and I was so confused. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I'll tell you what's confusing. Is that the shape of the bones on the, meat, on the patty where there are no bones. There's just no bones. Why'd right? you do that? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Don't, you didn't have to go that far, you know, to create a mold like that. <laughs> Come on.
0: <laughs> they did, apparently. Yeah. Sounds good, though. Does
1: your mom like the... uh, (laughs) No, she knows I like it. Oh, you get it! Because I'm a degenerate. (laughs) Man. Oh, man. And I don't know, why isn't it always there? Why is it a special occasion? It, like, comes and
0: goes. Yes. Yeah. They do that at at Burger King with the chicken sandwiches, the specialty chicken sandwiches.
2: That's the only thing I get at Burger King. I get the Whopper. I get the classic Whopper. See, I assume they make it from some animal who's very rare, and they have to wait for the population to build up again. that's what it is. So it's not pork. It's not pig. Oh, you no. don't even want to know. Think, think more legs. It's mulch.
1: More <laughs> legs? More legs than four? What has... You know what? I've said too much.
0: Oh, no. <laughs> Watch out, Bill. You're coming <laughs> after... The McDonald's people coming after you.
1: Is it true that KFC... The reason why it's called KFC now is because they can't legitimately say chicken because there's not enough chicken in that's the not, chicken? That can't be, true. right? I don't okay, think that's, that's true. true.
0: I think they, they think it's cooler. It's different. just cooler. That's it's right. like when New Kids on the Block became N-K-O-T-B. That's right. You know, that's okay. just
1: cooler. Look what he just admitted about himself. <laughs> I'm a Minuto fan myself. No,
0: <laughs> how did you Menudo, They changed the band members exactly. every three it years. Kept it was, fresh. Yeah, yeah, it was like Kiss almost. <laughs> That's right. right. After After Race Freely and uh, yes, and the they stuff. kept rotating
1: that guy out. Yeah,
0: they were like comic strip
1: characters. Well, I mean, they, they were. were. They
0: actually did a comic strip. And
1: right? they, uh, I believe, there was an issue or some collection where they actually put some of Gene Simmons' blood into the ink for the printing.
2: Look it up. I'm not lying. How
1: much? How wow. much blood? did Oh, they oh just enough to be able to, you know, <laughs> <If Gene Simmons laughs> advertise was, it.
0: If Gene Simmons wasn't on life support, right? When they, when they did that, I don't care. <laughs> right, right, you know, right. He really had to give blood. Oh, he you really know? gave he, his he, own
1: blood. No, he, he and he's a huge comic. He's always at the at the shows, so you see that guy roaming around. Oh yeah, Simmons. Oh my God, yes.
0: Well, yes. he they were into that stuff. They listen. They knew what they were doing. Music not so good.
1: Right, right. So I was a couple never, of songs,
0: but that's yeah, it. You know, that's all they needed. Was, you know, I was never never a big fan. Never big, and once they were unmasked in the eighties or whatever that was. I know, I know. It was just a disaster. But you know, we go. I don't know how we go off on these tangents. (laughs) Bill, is there anything else we need to talk about with Dean that I forgot? Uh, Are you going to be at the Comic
2: Arts Brooklyn? So Comic Arts
1: Brooklyn is this Saturday, right? Yeah, I will absolutely be roaming around, uh, checking it out, hawking my way. You know, I want to tell people about the play. You know, it's run by the guy who owns Desert Island Comics, and the Brick Theater is right across the street from Desert Island. Although, is the show at Pratt? Is mm-hmm. it at Pratt? I believe the yeah. the show. Yeah, it's so it's year. a little bit of a distance. In fact, I have a matinee this uh, this coming Saturday, but then there's an eight o'clock show on Sunday for th- those folks in town that dig comics and would like to see something that I've written in theater. Right? Are We're, you
0: you're in the play at all or no?
1: I'm not in the play. You don't make a special well. I am in the, the play. End? My voice is everywhere. Oh, no. no, 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 no <laughs> Close your eyes and I'm. Did there. you have? <laughs> <laughs> did you did
0: you want it? Was there any characters that you might want to do, or maybe even a voiceover yeah. or something like that? Or? No.
1: Um, Although sometimes I do uh, play with the the concept of me acting, I'm not so sure. Yeah. I tried out for uh, Murder at the Food Co-op.
0: Oh, I you did? That. I you didn't did, get it? I did not get the part. Can you believe it? There's was no it a lead or what was it? I thought I was a shoe. I didn't care. I just wanted one part. Oh, okay. I'm like, you know, it was Gersh. It I'm like, Gersh. Tree, you know, whatever. You're writing a freaking play, You do, it's being produced. Why aren't I in it? Right, right. So I had to go down and I had to try out and I had to sing songs and all that stuff. Oh, no. Oh, yeah, and I had yeah. to tell stories. And then I realized subsequently that the story I told was basically some old Saturday Night Live sketch that I ripped off <laughs> subconsciously. <laughs> That's great. I subconsciously. And then, like, after I did it, I was like, that's a complete ripoff. <laughs> but at the time, I didn't realize it's it. an audition. I wanted to go. with... I had two two options. I had the ripoff Saturday Night Live sketch that I didn't know was a ripoff Saturday Night Live sketch. Mm-hmm. Or I had this character that we used to do in high school was my friend Rob Anizzotto's grandfather.
1: And how his, does that go? Well, his grandfather was like this. Like, well, here's the story. So you got to tell it now. Yeah, right? His grandfather
0: yeah. was this angry old Italian man that, like, he would do like this. He'd be like, he'd be driving a car, and as he's driving, he would be very impatient. Mm. And he would go. Come on, where you go, Johnny? We, where, where you going, Johnny? You dirty son of a bitch! Where you go? Get out of! I'll, t- I'll tell you where you're going, Johnny. Up your sister's ass. Oh, good. That's what he would do. Good. While he was good. driving a car, and it was good. true. But he would do that at the. Uh... I, w- I I had I had to write something. Okay. A great character. I know he's a really good yeah. character. He's re- but you gotta you, you gotta flesh it there's out. There's a right? monologue there. You're you gotta, doing a lot.
1: I, I love that, you know.
0: You gotta work it out. Grace, where are my cigarettes?
1: You don't know have to that do was I, that. was his line. I got my uh, my driver's license at age 41, nine years ago. I avoided getting a license because I'm a city boy, number one. But also, I this hate this is like a whole Blu ray thing. It's a little bit of a yeah, yeah. I, I, I come the the to things move, later. There's a yes. thing there. Right, I got you. It's, uh, a it's, a it's a trend, it's a trend. So, uh, but but uh, yeah, whenever I drive now. I'm definitely creating stories constantly with that car, with that person. I'm just figuring out personalities. It's just a way to keep you know, my mind fresh and, 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 and assuming I know what's going on. <laughs> well,
0: the car's a time machine.
1: Oh, oh, uh, uh, That's from, Back to the um, Future.
0: Well, no, yes, but it was a perfect, perfect world. The Kevin Costner movie where he plays a, uh, he plays a, a criminal who ends up, he ends up taking this kid hostage little boy, and he's explaining to him that the car a time machine. Because oh, it but
1: it not really, but it, it's a metaphorical
0: time machine. Metaphorical time. Well, and, and right. truthfully, because everything in front of you, that's the future. Right. And everything behind you, that's
1: right. the past. What was it in Repo Man? What was he talking about? Cars? There was something about cars. I say I never saw
3: a Repo Man. Oh, that's you know,
1: fantastic. Yeah? It's who, fantastic. Who's in Repo Man?
3: Wesley Snipes? Uh, uh,
1: Emilio Estevez. Mm. Oh, really?
3: He is no, Wesley Snipes. No Wesley Snipes? Snipes. No, no. Man. no. Johnny, Alex right. All right, all right. Listen. All right. We'll Alex
1: see. Cox, who went on to do Sid and Nancy. You know, um, it's a fin- if you haven't seen the movie, please. I mean, there might have been a remake or something, or, or it's something. I'm taking of the remake. Or Repo Men, or something. But uh, Johnny's no. job is to get things
3: wrong. Yeah, that's right. There that's his job on the show.
0: And that's then right. we correct him. In, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who was who was responsible for the traffic jam in the George it's, Washington? It's de
3: Blasio. And I got ten bucks on him winning again today. By the way. Yeah. No, it wasn't De Blasio. I got ten on him though. No, it was not De Blasio. I got ten on him though. Okay. Anybody taken?
0: No one's taken that bet. <laughs> no one. They give
3: you odds, you know. All right.
0: I didn't see Repo Man, but now I will. Please look, do. I will. It's uh, fantastic. I will look into it. Now, did we did we get everything? Did we touch on everything we needed to touch on? I know you got your notes here, Bill. I think we did. We did. Now, do yep. we need to repeat anything? Like the show, where it's going to be, or where it's being.
1: You Want me to do that? Yeah, why, don't okay. you, why don't you do <laughs> that? that. Let's let's run
0: through the show. Go. So
1: the show Harry Carey Kane or Hara Harakiri Kane is at uh, the Brick Theater in Williamsburg. Uh, it will be running uh, eight more shows until November twentieth. Uh, and then I have this new uh, web comic, War Cry, coming from Line Webtoons on December sixth. It's a sequel to the Red Hook.
3: Okay, is that everything?
1: I think so. Follow got... you on Twitter. Oh sure, yeah. um, Dean Haspiel. Uh, no one has my name, so when you type that yeah, in, we'll you put can it find... in the letter notes. Thank you, and there Twitter you and Instagram and all that jazz.
0: All right. Well, I want to thank you for coming on. Hey, thank you. This was a lot of fun.
3: As always. I
0: learned a lot about myself. Yes. <laughs> I learned a lot about Dean. I didn't learn much about Bill Round. You know, I learned a lot about <laughs> Staten Island. Yes. You know, comic book <laughs> yes. In, in comic book history. Yeah. Yes. There's, there's a huge history there. Now well, I miss. Universe is a great place to hang out. It really is. It's was. great. And I'm glad that I met a guy like Bill that was into that stuff because otherwise I would have just been, you know, mm-hmm. watching baseball games. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, because of me, he's a tremendous Yankee fan.
1: I like the Yankees. you see that? That's happening. <laughs> All
0: right, guys. Thanks a lot. Next week on the show, we're going to bring in some people from DNA Info Whoa. who have recently lost Ooh. their jobs. It's and not... uh, hopefully, we'll have on some people to discuss that situation. That's the plan. All right. I want to thank our sponsors. Village Care Max. Dr. Joseph Lichter. And we will see you next week on Brooklyn Paper Radio. Thank you.
1: All right. Bye-bye. Thank you,